1: what's up family thank you for tuning in to the dream nation podcast my name is casanova i'll be your host and i'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs thought leaders and trailblazers from around the world stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life hey dream builder this episode is powered by design crowd DesignCrowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses get creative and quality designs from custom logos to business cards and even web designs. There's a community of over 900,000 designers from all across the world that's ready to bring your idea to life in as little as ours. So head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and see what all the hype is about what's up dream builder we are back again and today's episode is going to be all about teaching you how to get your message out to the world and so i'm excited about this episode i think that it's going to be one that will impact a lot of people in 2021 and beyond so without further ado please help me in welcoming my brother mr blair nichols to the stage and it's funny that I say that because normally I say the show, but something in my heart said the stage. So Blair, want to go ahead and help me um, to say what's up to Dream Nation?
0: What's up, Dream Nation? Thank you for having me, Casanova. I am so pleased to be here. And you're right. This is absolutely a stage. It took me a little bit to get used to that terminology too. But something that we talk about at Venture Reach is that all of these opportunities to get your message out are really a stage. And that podcasts are a huge part of that. So I'm I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah, for sure, man. It's going to be a dope conversation. So uh, I always love to start off by giving the proper introduction. And the way that I do that is I compare us as thought leaders, change makers, entrepreneurs to superheroes. And the reason being is because we're constantly, we're flying around the world, we're putting on our cape and we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. And so here's what we know. We know that there's a guy out there named Superman and he wears that S on his chest. But a lot of the times we don't know how to describe that guy behind the scenes, which is that Clark Kent, and we don't necessarily know who he is but in your question we know that there's this superman that's known as blair nichols but behind the scenes behind that s on the chest tell us who is your clark kent
0: Oh, well, that's a great question because I feel like most of the time I'm the Clark Kent and a lot of my clients get to be Superman and I just help them soar and and I I really uh, bring a lot of joy to me in in that. So I'd say my team, my team of uh, agents at our agency are definitely my Clark Kent. They get the work done and they really uh, help our our clients get get out there on a lot of different stages. And, you know, obviously my family and friends are also the ones who get to see me relax, not in, in professional mode, not on stage and uh, just keep it real with me so that um, I can really enjoy you know all of the
1: the fruits of this labor cool man so tell us about when, when we ask about who your Clark Kent is right people will see it and they'll see just like you said when you're on stage I see the professional side but behind the scenes like are you a movie guy are you a, a family guy are you somebody that you know what you like to go travel and be in you know 20 countries a year what does that look like
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, before twenty twenty, travel was you know one of my biggest passions, <laughs> and still was even in twenty twenty, a little bit before, a little bit at the end. Um, but that's something I love. I always try to get to at least one or two new countries each year, and for a while, just trying. How to many countries to. have you been to? Oh, gosh. Um, I probably, I mean, I know there's people who's been to a lot more than this, but I've probably been to 20 to 30, I'd say, you know, I've just had, I'd have to go back and count up, but um, I also like to get to new cities. So 2019 was like the year of Canada. I went through like four or five different cities in Canada for the first time, really got to explore all different parts from Vancouver to Nova Scotia and Calgary to Toronto and Montreal. And it, it was just incredible. Just our neighbors in the code. North- yeah well no a little bit it was I was there in November in Montreal and it was snowing but I live in Los Angeles so that's like uh, you know and I grew up in Chicago so I missed having a little bit of winter so that was like a nice treat to get a little bit of winter that I don't get to see very often and even one day was just hanging out in the Airbnb and watching the snow come down and and binging on movies with my friend um so yeah you know when I'm not getting out there whether it's for work going to events or meeting with clients or just traveling for fun and vacation um Um, you know movies are like sports here you know there are a lot of people in the industry a lot of people have a lot of passionate opinions and it's kind of like keeping up with your favorite team you know who's putting out what and what are people talking about Um, so I like you know to get my fair share of of movies and TV in but hanging out with friends going to the beach hanging out outside and I was a lit major I got started in the publishing world with with their speakers bureaus and was always really big on reading and writing so that's kind of my my other hobby trying to do a little bit more of that in in this year now too and maybe spend a little less screen time since we're all in front of our phones and computers all day need a little uh
1: analog time too yeah no man i i love it and the fact that you said that you travel to 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 so many countries i think that's what a lot of people are looking to do now because that's what COVID has taught us is like time you never know even if it doesn't mean that you your health is going to be affected you're in a sense your freedom could be affected mm-hmm. right which is a crazy thing because i think that you can't travel outside of the country or even if you do travel outside of the country now you got to be locked down or quarantined for 14 days so you can't hop back into your routine i think that that's something that tells people like right now i have to go and do these things because who knows what it's going to look like a year or two before we get normality again and even as we know every single problem while it does bring solutions it also brings more problems so for like three years from now who knows what it looks like when we travel that we know post 2000 and and eight after the crash like the market crash in real estate it brought on all of these different rules and regulations where then you know it's always just an expanding contract so that's what i think that 2020 really taught me in terms of like the COVID thing is just making sure that you go after everything you want right now because we don't know what tomorrow brings and it might not be your health but it definitely might be your freedom
0: That's right. And, you know, I I think that's such a great point because even before COVID, you know, there was places that people talked about going like five, 10 years ago. And I was like, I got to get there. I got to get there. And now it feels like, wow, everyone's been there. I've seen it on Instagram. I see them there, you know, and it's you wonder, well, is it going to be that same experience? Is it going to be that same magical place kind of hidden away that not everyone has seen? And it's not just touristy and there's the prices are still low. And you think about all these countries that now feel like, The whole world's been kind of uncovered and you want to find a little bit of corner of it for yourself so i think you're totally right that you know taking advantage of the time that we have and the freedom that we have to get to those places is really important because it's it maybe they're not going anywhere maybe the big you know monuments are are still going to be there but you know your experience could be dramatically different in the future and and how much you're able to actually do or interact with people is going to be so much different um with how things continue to change and evolve
1: Yeah, for sure. Now I got something that's on my mind that I want to ask is where's your favorite place that you've been that you didn't think that you would have really loved it as much as you did? And why did you love it that much?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I I studied abroad in Italy when I was in college. And I was just like, you know, I was a literature major, like I mentioned, and it was just one of those places that seemed like a logical place to go. And I was just, you know, really excited about Italy and Italian food and all of that great stuff. And I got so sick and tired of Italian food. And we went to Barcelona for a long weekend. And I actually studied Spanish most of my, you know, middle school, high school, and I I really should have just stuck with it. But I kind of let it go in college and decided it wasn't, wasn't really something I was that passionate about and um, I but when I went to Barcelona it was the coolest place I'd ever been. The people were amazing. The food was amazing. Getting you know d- like a different side of of kind of culture there, and um, just a, just a whole different lifestyle. Like a very modern, beautiful, artistic city, but very relaxed, very you know open and and one and fun loving kind of culture that I think just really left a big mark on me, and a place that I'd love to get back to you know whenever I whenever I can.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. I've never been to Barcelona. I've never been to Spain yet, but now you got it on my radar. So when I'm looking, is it, is it very family friendly or is it somewhere that you would go with like just you and your wife or just you and a, a friend?
0: Yeah, no, I think it's, it's definitely family friendly. You could have, you can have fun there with your spouse, your partner, whatever. But I, you know, I was in college, so it was just me and a friend, but um I, I think there's a lot to do for families as well they've got parks and lots of you know the beach is it's a city that ends in a beach you know la kind of has that too but you kind of are walking down the main street and it ends at the beach so it's just got a lot of cool stuff going on a lot of beautiful art and um, architecture so you know maybe kids that are a little bit older but still definitely a you know a great place to visit and experience if you're if you're able to make it over there
1: yeah no it's uh i I love traveling too and and for me i'm a big family guy and so i know a lot of people that that are listening or watching this they they'll they'll know that easily but we're actually uh two days from now where i was originally already going to fort lauderdale for a uh an event but now we just surprised and the kids are going to come too so obviously there's going to be a little bit of beach time now it's not that warm in florida right now but yeah so when i think about those things and i'm always thinking when i hear barcelona or italy or somewhere i'm like can we take my whole family you know and it's my wife and then we have our two kids but it just goes back to those times of yes I could go do it by myself but looking back at 2020 I, anytime I get an opportunity to travel with my kids create memories with my kids like you have to do it now because we never know what tomorrow looks like and before you know it I don't know if you have any kids yet or not but these kids are going to be older to now all of a sudden mom and dad is is not that cool, especially if they can't bring their friends. So they're like, uh, "Can I just stay <laughs> here?" So trying to get it in while we can. So.
0: Totally. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think that's such a gift for, for your kids too to see other parts of the country and other parts of the world. It really, I think, is what makes a huge difference in opening up our minds to the rest of the world and getting outside of our own worldview and, and points of view and and seeing how other people are living life. And I think it's so important for kids to get that experience and also know how how blessed they are to live here and the freedoms that they do enjoy and the life that they are you know able to to have. So I think that's awesome. Anytime you can do that, uh, for sure sure
1: oh yeah absolutely and for me just never coming from any of that and I'm sure a lot of people again listening and and watching this that they can resonate with it because that's what we all want to do we want to create memories and give our kids our younger brothers and sisters whoever an opportunity that that we never had and so for me I know I didn't grow up traveling anywhere I want to say the first time we ever even traveled uh I was probably at least 14 or 15 years old which is Mm -hmm. you know something crazy so yeah I would agree but Yeah, I want to get into one of the biggest things in 2021 that I think for a lot of people they want to learn about, which is how to share their message more and where can they share their message and more importantly, how can they monetize it? Now, I'm not saying that money is the most important thing, but we also know money's right up there with the oxygen. If you don't have it, right, it's hard for you to really be able to function at a high level. And so what you've been able to do over your career is help people with a message, be able to get that message out, whether it be on a stage and now helping to other, you know, uh, stages, which can even be virtual. So talk to us about where did your journey start out with this? You know, why did you decide to start helping people get booked paid speaking gigs? And now why? Let's just start with there. Like, why did you? Why did you start in that realm?
0: Yeah, well, I started out in the publishing world, you know, I, I, I was a lit major, I loved books, and I figured out that that was an industry didn't even know that that was an industry until I was in college, and someone else brought it up in one of my classes. And I was like, why didn't I never think about like how do these things get made and who are the people actually behind it? Um so I, I set my sights on and going to New York, and the first job that I got was actually at the HarperCollins Speakers Bureau. So HarperCollins was the first publisher to have an in-house speakers bureau. And, you know, there had been speakers bureaus around outside agencies, other agencies that were doing it already. But they had the idea that yeah we could do this for our authors and we could book them paid engagements but it wasn't really about making the money off the engagement so much as it being another opportunity to sell books and that's you know their bottom line that's their business so i started out with like a point of view of, it was really kind of the extension of the publicity. So they did the book tour, they did the media campaign, they did all the interviews. And then, you know, the publicity kind of stops. You have kind of a window of time where they're really, you know, have people working on your book. And then, you know, they've got to move on to the next book and the next book. And so that's where we would pick things up. And we would, um, you know, obviously field any requests that came for them if a library or a museum or a school or a business wanted them to come talk. But then, you know, We also had to start getting creative and with our bigger authors, start finding them other opportunities to speak and being the ones to go out proactively and say, hey, you know, this person has been invited to speak at all these similar, you know, organizations, you should bring him or her in as well. And this is what her fee is and all of that. So that's where I first learned about this whole business, this business of speakers and you know, from a point of view of it being authors that had kind of established their expertise and their credibility. Um, and, and that's where I got started. So that led me into other agencies and, and bigger name people and, and other things like that. Um, and now this new world where you don't have to have a book necessarily to get yourself out on stages, you don't have to have that same You know device that kind of felt like the the entry point to be able to be out there as a credible speaker it certainly helps it helps build your platform and it helps you know kind of boost all the things that you're doing but now we've got all these different channels all these different ways to build your platform that might you might do in reverse you might be such a successful speaker or just be so comfortable out there speaking that you end up writing a book that can help you reach and impact even more people because a book is really an opportunity to scale your message you know you can speak to 5,000, 5, maybe even fifty thousand people at a time, just you know, depending on the opportunity, the stage, so to speak. Um, but you can also reach a lot of people through a book where that's accessible to millions of people. So it's it's been interesting to see how the publishing world has evolved and the speaking world has evolved, and and really how much things have changed in the last year.
1: Yeah, man. And there's so many questions that I have, is especially because I don't know if you, have you heard of the new app uh, Clubhouse. I have,
0: I just said today, I said overnight, I, everyone I know is talking about Clubhouse. So Every, yeah, it's, whole new. Yeah.
1: It, it's been crazy to just watch. So I got on, what, about three weeks ago. And uh-huh. the first week I was on it heavy, but me having a wife, having two young kids... Like my wife's not all about that. She's like, don't forget, like we're still here. We want your attention. We don't, you know, and and it's so much. If you are someone who has been traveling, if you've been going to conferences, things like that, and you've invested into yourself, even over the last couple of years, you understand that back in the day, you would have to pay, you know, ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars to get in some of these masterminds to even just be a fly on the wall. To hear some of this information and now you're getting it for a hundred percent free and now it's almost become the game of who can give more information Mm -hmm. and so it's crazy but i say that because um i've been seeing a lot of questions about speaking and growing your speaking business and all these these things And one of the questions that always comes up is when should someone go and try to find an agent And so since you've been in that world and you were probably solicited a lot for people to say hey will you be my speaking agent will you book me gigs what was that like was there a prerequisite that you always went off of of like you have to have a book you have to be charging fifteen thousand dollars for a fee what was that like for you
0: yeah that's a great question and it is you know something that comes up a lot and you know what i learned from you know over a dozen years in the professional speaking world and working for some of the biggest agencies is that a lot of times you're really not going to get their attention unless you are already generating a lot of demand for your speaking so you have to be someone that is maybe already on their radar to some extent or can come to them and say, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm speaking 20, 50 times a year and this is what I charge. And this is what, um, people are asking me to do and that's usually how you kind of can get people interested in like okay well we can take that business and we can maximize it and we've got this team of agents behind us that can now pitch you more proactively to our clients what agencies and bureaus in particular are doing is really serving the meeting planners the corporate the corporations and the organizations that are booking speakers more than they are really working and representing the individual speaker or talent. So <laughs> something you have to keep in mind is that you have to be a good fit for who they serve. Now, and different agencies and different bureaus might cater to different types of organizations. They're based all over the world, all over the country. So people, um, you know, there's a couple bureaus in Nashville that really work with a lot of faith-based companies and faith-based organizations. So they might be a great fit for you. There's companies in California that might work with, you know, more West Coast-based companies, but. All of them work internationally, nationally, and they all serve you know similar types of of companies and, and clients. Um, but that's what I found. I was a talent manager at a big speakers bureau, you know, and I would be the one getting all the emails, getting all the calls. I want to be on your website. I want you guys to represent me. And a lot of times, people that get added to the website, they're one of they become one of hundreds. And I realized that speakers were really a commodity. So even mm. if you already had that reputation, even if you already had that uh, inbound demand, you weren't necessarily going to then get some proactive attention from them. They would have exclusive clients that they would have kind of an obligation to be pitching and, and promoting. Um, but even those clients, you know, were just going to be one of many that might get proposed for any given opportunity. So it's kind of a difficult um, you know, relationship, unless you already have that, you know, inbound demand that you're getting more than you can really manage. I think that's the point where that can really take you to the next level. Um, but in exchange, you know, you're going to be giving away 20 to 30% of each fee and, you know, kind of seeing what happens with with how much they're able to bring to the table other than what you're already driving their way so it's a delicate balance and it definitely makes sense for a lot of people and i think you know 2020 we saw those bureaus shrink we saw them lay off you know up to half of their staff in some instances because that was the part of the industry that was hit the hardest um and i think that left a lot of room for us to say you know maybe this isn't the best model maybe if depending on you know all of these paid in-person engagements isn't really what um, is the best business for all of these speakers, but also even for those agents. And what was different about what we did at aYR is we built an agency that's completely fee based. so you pay us a monthly fee and we don't take a commission. If we book you on a paid engagement, that's great. you know you you make all that money if you make sales through that, which we'll get a little more into I'm sure talking about how you really navigate the monetizing of these stages. You know, we're like a, like a marketing agency or a PR agency that just has our monthly fee and you have a dedicated person that's just pitching you, not looking for anyone that will buy a speaker and then pitching a dozen speakers at any given time. They're really helping you get in front of the right audience. And it doesn't matter if you're going to get paid or if it's going to be free or if it's a podcast or if it's a digital summit. As long as it's the right fit to help you get your message out there that's going to help you grow your business those are the types of opportunities we're looking for whereas agencies are really focused just on those big ticket big conferences big budgets where a lot of those people they want celebrities and they want you know big name business execs or business authors or things like that and they don't have a lot of room to to hire the vast majority of speakers who are out there day in day out uh, doing their
1: thing Hey, Dream Builder, if you're anything like me, you have no idea how to come up with a quality logo or even a creative design. You know that quality is important, but it's not always the easiest to nail down, right? That's where Design Crowd comes in. Whether it's a logo, a website, book cover, or even a social media ad, they have a community of over 900,000 professional designers around the world ready to help solve your creative problem. Head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation to learn more. And just for being a part of the dream nation tribe, you're going to receive a special VIP offer. When you sign up of up to $150 credit. Now, instead of waiting weeks for an agency to pitch you an idea, you'll be able to get a design of exactly what you need within just three days. So again, head on over to DesignCrowd.com forward slash dream nation and check it out yeah so talk to me about for a lot of people out here that they say okay i have a message but i don't necessarily have a product or maybe i talk about multiple things like are you guys now do you think that it's even more important for someone to be niche down and to have a specific target or do you think that it's even more important for somebody to be able to be almost like a chameleon because people are looking for so much more authenticity and versatility to being able to know i can build a relationship with this person and they can speak about multiple things to cater to my audience.
0: I think that's a great question and one that, um, you know, we we talk about a lot because it is it is hard to understand whether you should be a chameleon and try to be all things to all people or if you really need to be niche. And, and I'll tell you that you really do want to have a focus on what is your signature talk. At AYR, we talk about having your signature talk and in the importance of scale. So, so talking about having products or service attached to, you know, what you speak about. Not that every time you get out and speak, it should be a sales pitch. No, absolutely not. You should be providing valuable content. You should be sharing stories and connecting emotionally, but you should have that one signature talk. That's really what you're all about. And if you've got a great signature talk, it's going to apply to all different types of audiences. Maybe not everyone is your target audience. Maybe you don't want to speak to every type of audience and you probably don't depending on your business, but it should be a topic that will resonate, whether it's a marketing conference or a sales meeting or, you know, a more leadership focused event because whatever you're talking about should be able to be kind of broad in a way but specific in a way like people who talk about diversity and inclusion they can talk about that from a variety of of points of view and why it applies to that audience so you should be a chameleon in the sense that you can take your expertise your core topic and apply it to different audiences but you don't wanna be one of these people that has 12 different speaking topics on all these different things and people don't really know where you fit in. They're looking for the expert on that topic. They are looking for the best guy to talk about marketing communications or the best woman who talks about just you know growing your sales or peak performance or, or one of those things. So you have to really kind of pick your lane And then understand how that can drive you to to multiple different types of of opportunities. And then your, your first question, though, about products is, you know, that was something that I learned, you know, like got hit by a two by four up the side of the head from Pete because I realize how much money is being left on the table by so many speakers that I that they may have earned a million dollars in speaking fees in a year. But if they had an opportunity for someone to, you know, just sign up for a newsletter that might lead them to a twenty dollar, forty dollar, fifty dollar course, or might eventually, you know, host their own workshop or seminar or have a retreat or something like that, they could have been making triple, quadruple that because mm. they were in front of these huge audiences and they didn't take the opportunity to continue to engage them. The other thing is that speakers, most of them, they want to have an impact. but you know, because it's a transaction, they're paid, they speak, they leave. They don't really know how to continue that relationship. So as a speaker, you really need to think about providing that gateway from your talk to getting people to you know, continue to invest potentially with you or just to even sign up for free for a resource or a product that you feel passionate going to help them, help them put those tools into action because that's where the impact's going to come from. So if you're driven by making an impact, you want to have that scale. You want to have products and services that actually support your message because that's where it's really going to come from. If you just want to get out there and speak and make money and you've got your day job then that's great but it's a you know it's an expensive hobby if you're not really maximizing every stage and in having that scale behind you
1: yeah, no, I think that that's, that's one of the key things that I learned, right? Having something that, what's the next step? Because you can't leave people empty. And that's what people always want to know, like, oh, this was phenomenal, but how do I stay connected with you? What's the next step? And I thought you brought up a good point, right? Even just the newsletter. Nowadays, and a lot of people are using apps like Community or something like that, or even saying, hey, you know, look, look it up and go to the Facebook group, some way like that, that you can be able to still stay connected with these people because it's an opportunity that now you don't have to worry about the next conference next year you coming back speaking again and trying to get some of the same people to now have that impact because you've been building relationships with them all year and then if this is the year that you decide hey you know what I want to sell a product and you've already verified that with whoever the event organizer is now all of a sudden those people are warm buyers warm leads right or at least you have some disciples in the audience that will be the first ones to get up and meet you at the back of the room or sign up for your text marketing list or whatever it might be. And so it's a lot easier then. And so you do the work once, but then you reap the benefits for years to come.
0: Absolutely. You gotta be smart and strategic. You know, again, what COVID taught us is that you never know what's going to happen. And if you're relying just on keynote fees and and your schedule's built around traveling all over the world all the time, when you're forced to slow down and you realize you're not in front of an audience anymore, then it's it's going to be a big impact to your business. But if you're building it step by step along the way It's a lot easier to pivot when you already have 5,000, 10,000 or more people on an email list that you can now, you know, start doing more with, even if it's just building your own stage and, and, you know, inviting them to a webinar or your Facebook Live or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. Great, great, great points. Uh, my next question is for somebody out there that are saying, okay, that's all great, but what about the people who are just traditional? Like they got into the speaking world because they were impacted by Les Brown or Eric Thomas or, you know, Lisa Nichols. And they say, I want to be a motivational speaker or an inspirational speaker. So I don't necessarily have a product or anything, uh, or coaching or, or whatever. I just want to speak and inspire people. What is there still a niche for those people? Or is it because you've heard heard a lot that like no longer are those days it's about what now is the substance behind and what can you teach and transform the audience into so what's your thoughts on that
0: yeah I'd say you there's definitely a space for you but that space is more crowded than ever you know Mm. you're gonna be competing with a lot of people and if you don't have you know the scale behind you to keep reinforcing that and building your audience you're gonna find it a lot harder to be booking those gigs I mean Les Brown's been out there for a long time same with Lisa and they're both incredible Um, and and they're gonna continue to demand big audiences for any time that they speak but again this world has just grown astronomically when I was getting started and I'm not that old but we were still sending DVDs you know now everyone can be a speaker with their own YouTube page and get their marketing out there and you don't even need anyone to send it out on your behalf you don't need an agency to be pitching you or promoting you so that space is so crowded if you really if your goal is to be motivational you just got to think about the all the different ways that 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 can actually achieve that goal and that's not going to come just from a one-time talk it's going to come maybe like you said it might be a daily newsletter that might just be kind of a you know a meditation or you know a favorite um you know bible verse whatever it may be but getting in front of those people as much as possible is really where that motivation comes from and then those are the people that are going to say we need to have them come keynote our next event or i'm going to bring them into my group my company my organization and have them speak you know but if if you're just waiting on those opportunities to come to you, and you're just you know only relying on you know a one-time talk to achieve what you want to do, you're gonna find that you're not getting as much demand as as you had hoped, and that demand, like I said at the beginning, is what leads you to the the next and higher levels.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's very very wise, uh, and I and I'm glad that you brought that up. For something that you guys have pivoted to and something that a lot of people are wondering what's the benefits of it's the podcasting world right and obviously we're on a podcast right now whether you're watching it or whether you're listening to it Uh, podcasting has been so impactful for me in 2020 and I've tried to tell more people about getting on podcasts. for you all you've made it a main focus one of your pillars for how you help uh, you know other speakers and authors and, and people with the message to get out there. Why do you think that podcasting is so impactful. And at the same time, why is it so essential that everyone be looking at these types of stages?
0: so essential for so many reasons on both sides whether you're looking to start a podcast or just getting started as a speaker and want to get on podcasts it's essential because they are abundant but the audience is even bigger than the amount of podcasts that are out there i heard a statistic last year the year before that there's still more people looking for podcasts than there are even podcasts available i think the assumption a lot of people have is that oh, everyone's got a podcast or there's too many and it's saturated. It's not saturated yet, in fact. It's still growing and it's still people are re-listening to podcasts, which tells you something, you know, that tells you that they've got an appetite for more content. So there's an abundant amount of opportunities for these to get on your stages and like we're doing now we're having a conversation. I think one of the scariest things for speakers getting started is getting out there and speaking on their own for 30 45 minutes with an audience staring them down. And with a podcast you get the opportunity to hone your story, hone your, you know, talking points so to speak. And I don't have talking points. I just like to answer questions, but that's this is what helps you improve. It helps you really refine, you know, what resonates the most and you'll you'll learn the questions you get asked again and again, and you'll get better at answering them and that'll help you shape You know even a keynote presentation so i think podcasts are just great experience but also then you get this reach you can understand who i understand who your audience is i understand what you guys are about and that you are motivated business owners and entrepreneurs and people who are who are inspired to to make a difference in this world so i know what i want to share with you is hopefully going to add value to that pursuit and with every podcast that you go after you you can tell by who they are speaking with and what their their messages and what they say that their objective is who their audience is like any speaking engagement so You can narrow down, you know, the places you go after. So there's just so much richness in what's available and out there. When we pivoted last year in March because we had our 30 new brand new clients in this agency and we're all excited to get them on stages and all of a sudden COVID hit. And we had to say, well, we're going digital, folks. It's hard to say how many stages are out there as digital conferences that existed besides podcasts. Because podcasts had already been established. We could go out there and find, you know, dozens and dozens of podcasts, and these conferences, they were coming up overnight. And by the time you learned about them, they had already booked all their speakers. So it was really, you know, it was like playing catch up for us to start establishing relationships and get our clients on things you know beyond podcasts. But podcasts were the things that we were really able to build a base on. And every speaker can build their base. On sharing their story and having a conversation with someone because you're you have no idea how many people you might impact, not just in a one time setting, but over time again and again and again, who might be listening even years down the road from this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny because we talk about saturation, and I think podcasting the stat is it just went over one point three. Last stat I seen, like one point three million podcasts. But when you wow. think about it, people are still starting YouTube channels, and people are still <laughs> watching. And there's over, I want to say, thirty million YouTube channels. Is what mm-hmm. I read. And, and then it's not even to count blogs, how many people have blogs, because every website now has blogs, whether you're WordPress, Shopify, it doesn't matter what it is, Wix. And so j- when you still think about that, but podcasting gives the opportunity to really build a deep connection. Why is because when people are driving, like it's hard to watch a YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. It's impossible to read a blog when you're driving, right? A full blog, you got to constantly. But when you're just listening, right, to something, you can keep your eyes on the road and you can really lock into what that person says. And intuition wise, you can lock in because you can feel it in your heart. Like it's almost like music, right? And and it's mm-hmm. like that person is talking to me. They're speaking to me. And so there's so many ways. And then I think I've seen another stat that when people are talking about advertising, like advertisers have found or at least the research by Edison has found that uh, buyers are 70% more likely to buy a product that they heard on a podcast because they feel like they have a deep connection with the host, right? Mm-hmm. And so a host-led a host read podcast advertisement is so much more powerful. And so I I just think that there's so much of an opportunity there. And if people really start, and it's only gonna get bigger, right? And Mm -hmm. it's the thing that you have an opportunity right now to be in a sense, an early adopter, but you just have to figure out where your tribe is because shows are gonna get bigger, right? And five years from now, it's gonna be like, man, I wish that I would have spoke on that show or even started my own show on this topic. Cause when it blows up, you're gonna be like, that was my idea. Mm right we all see it in in some form so i think that's so much uh so much wisdom that you gave in that in the last point that you hit i have just uh, a couple more questions for you i think the first one being um for somebody who's looking at your path right now and they say man you know what I, i love it he's dropping a lot of value and and i can definitely resonate with it but for all of the wisdom that he has, knowing what he knows now, and, and I'm sure you would consider yourself much more wiser than when you first started. Uh, if there was one thing that you wish that you could change, or if there's one thing that you wish that you would have uh, implemented sooner to accelerate your path on your dream and your journey, mm-hmm. what would that one thing be?
0: Yeah. I think that's a great question and honestly hard to answer. You know, uh, I'm someone that likes to keep looking ahead, but I think what this past couple years has taught me, and especially this past year is, is like you said, we're all accumulating wisdom as as we grow in our careers and in our lives. And if I had known, you know, that I would someday be out there in the one in front of the microphone instead of the Clark Kent behind the scenes, booking the stages and getting other people out there, I probably would have, you know, at least started to share more of that sooner, whether it was writing a blog or just even writing it down in a journal. So I'd say, you know, journaling and writing and accum- Accumulating content, you know, as early as you can, even if you know, I'm not an expert yet, I'm just learning. But when you get those ahas, when you have those, you know, revelations that come to you over time, you have no idea how much you're learning. And I like to remind people because, you know, there's this thing called imposter syndrome that people don't think that they're, you know, good enough, smart enough, or we come from backgrounds where we're not used to having access to these amazing people, and we're never going to get to where they're at. But you have to remember that, you know, so much more about what you know than even a fraction of what they actually know. So mm. whatever that is, whatever you're passionate about, you know, I'd say go deep, you know, and and whether you share it on social media or you start a blog or you just keep it to yourself and journal for now, you have no idea how valuable that could be down the road. Some of my favorite authors, some of my, you know, even that aren't writing about business or, you know, motivation or anything, They're drawing from their journals from when they were in their 20s or, you know, even before that, they're drawing this amazing content and bringing to life these stories that, you know, it's hard to go back and recap your entire life history. Um, But when you're in the moment, the more that you're doing it, I think the more it's going to serve you in the future. And I wish I had been doing that
1: um, for a lot longer yeah man so definitely so much value so much wisdom and you kind of already touched on uh this question already but the last question that i always ask everyone is there's someone out there that again is inspired by your journey but they are dealing with that little voice in their head and it says that they're not smart enough they're not strong enough or maybe they just don't have enough resources and so if you could elaborate one more time on what's that one thing that you would leave that person with to get them to just take action
0: yeah well since my background and and my world is all about speaking and getting out there I like to always tell people that speaking begets more speaking so if you don't think you're ever gonna get booked for a stage or you're never gonna make money from a stage and it's it's too hard to get started I'd say just get started. Whether you go live on Facebook and no one's watching, whether you do that on Instagram, or more more importantly, where can you just add value to the thing that you know about? Speak at your kids' school. Speak at your school, where you graduated from. Speak at your local church. Speak at wherever we'll have you, and speak for free as often as you can, because you don't know who's in the audience, and those people in the audience, I guarantee one or two of them each time will probably invite you to speak at something else. Speak at a PTA meeting. I don't care. where. Whatever it is you the world is a stage and you are able to share your message and, and help someone impact someone with your knowledge whatever it may be um, but don't be afraid and wait until someone's coming to you to ask you to speak go out there and volunteer and you'll see you know what comes from it and the abundance that it'll create for you in the future
1: there you have it for, we will make sure that we put everything in the show notes, but for anybody who wants to stay directly connected with you, where can they find you at?
0: Sure. You can find me at Blair at com. That's all together, advanceyourreach.com, and it's just B-L-A-I-R. And I want to give your audience a free gift. You know, everyone's asking about digital events in the last year, and that was our big pivot. And we learned a lot in 2020 about how best to maximize digital events, how to get ready. And I think some of the biggest questions that were asked are like, oh, I got invited to be on this event. Like, what do I say? What questions do I ask? Or how do I get ready? So we created a digital event checklist for you to download for free. That if you, uh, if you'd like it, go to adventurereach.com forward slash send gift. It's our gift to you. So S-E-N-D hyphen gift. And uh, you can download that for free. And it'll walk you through the questions to ask and the things that you need to be aware of to get ready for that event. Because it's not just about getting on that stage and speaking powerfully. It's about, you know, know how is this going to help your business grow how can you best serve them and it'll just kind of give you some some guidance on on the things that you should be thinking about and asking about so check that out and um, hopefully then if you'd like to engage with us
1: further then you'll you'll be getting um, some information from us for sure well again dream nation just as he said even though you have that dream you got to take action or otherwise it will only merely be a fantasy that's all for this one we'll catch you on the next one That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you